0: Section forty one of the Life of Samuel Johnson, volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Samuel Johnson, volume four, by James Boswell, section forty one. August nineteenth. The, the relaxation of the asthma still continues yet i do not trust it wholly to itself but soothe it now and then with an opiate i not only perform the perpetual act of respiration with less labour but i can walk with fewer intervals of rest and with greater freedom of motion i never thought well of dr james's compounded medicines his ingredients appeared to me sometimes inefficacious and trifling and sometimes heterogeneous and destructive of each other this prescription exhibits a composition of about three hundred and thirty grains in which there are four grains of emetic tartar and six drops of thebaic tincture he that writes thus surely writes for show the basis of his medicine is the gum ammoniacum which dear dr lawrence used to give But of which i never saw any effect we will if you please let this medicine alone the squills have every suffrage and in the squills we will rest for the present august the twenty first the kindness which you show by having me in your thoughts upon all occasions will i hope always fill my heart with gratitude be pleased to return my thanks to Sir George Baker, footnote Sir Joshua's physician, end a footnote, for the consideration which he has bestowed upon me. Is this the balloon that has been so long expected, this balloon to which I subscribed but without payment? Footnote. How much balloons filled people's minds at this time? is shown by such entries as the following in Wyndham's diary. February 7th, 1784. Did not rise till past nine. From that time till eleven, did little more than indulge in idle reveries about balloons. July 20th. The greater part of the time till now, one o'clock, spent in foolish reveries about balloons. Horace Walpole wrote on September 30th, I cannot fill my paper as the newspapers do with air balloons, which, though ranked with the invention of navigation, appear to me as childish as the flying kites of schoolboys. Do not write about the balloon, wrote Johnson to Reynolds, whatever else you may think proper to say. In the beginning of the year he had written, it is very seriously true that a subscription of eight hundred pounds has been raised for the wire and workmanship of iron wings. It is pity that philosophers have been disappointed and shame that they have been cheated, but I know not well how to prevent either. Of this experiment I have read nothing. Where was it exhibited? And who was the man that ran away with so much money continue dear sir to write often and more at a time for none of your prescriptions operate to their proper uses more certainly than your letters operate as cordials august the twenty sixth i suffered you to escape last post without a letter but you are not to expect such indulgence very often for I write not so much because I have anything to say, as because I hope for an answer. And the vacancy of my life here makes a letter of great value. I have here little company and little amusement, and thus abandoned to the contemplation of my own miseries, I am sometimes gloomy and depressed. This too I resist as I can, and find opium I think useful, but I seldom take more than one grain is not this strange weather. Winter absorbed the spring, and now autumn has come before we have had summer. But let not our kindness for each other imitate the inconstancy of the seasons. September 2nd Mr. Wyndham has been here to see me. He came, I think, forty miles out of his way, and stayed about a day and a half. Perhaps I make the time shorter than it was. Such conversation I shall not have again, till I come back to the regions of literature. And there Wyndham is, Footnote: It is remarkable that so good a Latin scholar as Johnson should have been so inattentive to the metre, as by mistake, to have written stellas, instead of ignes, boswell. Luna minos footnote micat inter omnes julium sidus inter ignes luna minores and like the moon the feebler fires among conspicuous shines the julian star francis End footnote. he then mentions the effects of certain medicines as taken that nature is recovering its original powers and the functions returning to their proper state God continue his mercies, and grant me to use them rightly. September ninth. Do you know the Duke and Duchess of Devonshire? And have you ever seen Chatsworth? I was at Chatsworth on Monday. I had indeed seen it before, but never when its owners were at home. I was very kindly received, and honestly pressed to stay. But I told them that a sick man is not a fit inmate of a great house. But I hope to go again some time. September the eleventh. I think nothing grows worse, but all rather better, except sleep, and that of late has been at its old pranks. Last evening I felt what I had not known for a long time, an inclination to walk for amusement. I took a short walk, and came back again neither breathless nor fatigued. This has been a gloomy, frigid, ungenial summer, but of late it seems to mend. I hear the heat sometimes mentioned, but I do not feel it. Prateria minimus gelido yam sanguis febre caled sola. Footnote. The little blood that creeps within his veins is but just warmed in a hot fever's pains. Dryden End of footnote. I hope, however, with good help, to find means of supporting a winter at home, and to hear and tell at the club what is doing, and what ought to be doing in the world. I have no company here, and shall naturally come home hungry for conversation to wish you dear sir more leisure would not be kind but what leisure you have you must bestow upon me September the 16th i have now let you alone for a long time having indeed little to say you charge me somewhat unjustly with luxury at chatsworth you should remember that i have eaten but once and the doctor with whom i live follows a milk diet I grow no fatter though my stomach if it be not disturbed by physic never fails me i now grow weary of solitude and think of removing next week to lichfield a place of more society but otherwise of less convenience when i am settled i shall write again of the hot weather that you mention we have not had in derbyshire very much and for myself i seldom feel heat and suppose that my frigidity is the effect of my distemper, a supposition which naturally leads me to hope that a hotter climate may be useful, but I hope to stand another English winter. Lichfield, september twenty ninth. On one day I had three letters about the air balloon. Footnote. Lunardi had made on September the 15th the first balloon ascent in England Johnson wrote to mr. Ryland on September the 18th I had this day in three letters three histories of the flying man in the great balloon He adds I live in dismal solitude End a footnote Yours was by far the best and has enabled me to impart to my friends in the country an idea of this species of amusement. In amusement, mere amusement, I am afraid it must end, for I do not find that its course can be directed, so that it should serve any purposes of communication, and it can give no new intelligence of the state of the air at different heights, till they have ascended above the height of mountains, which they seem never likely to do. I came hither on the 27th. How long I shall stay I have not determined. My dropsy is gone, and my asthma much remitted, but I have felt myself a little declining these two days, or at least to-day, but such vicissitudes must be expected. One day may be worse than another, but this last month is far better than the former. If the next should be as much better than this, I shall run about the town on my own legs. October sixth the, the fate of the balloon I do not much lament to make new balloons is to repeat the jest again footnote september twenty seventh seventeen eighty four went to see blanchard's balloon met Burke and d Burke walked with them to Pantheon to see lunardi's september twenty ninth About nine came to Brooks's, where I heard that the balloon had been burnt about four o'clock. We now know a method of mounting into the air, and I think are not likely to know more. The vehicles can serve no use till we can guide them, and they can gratify no curiosity till we mount with them to greater heights than we can reach without. Till we rise above the tops of the highest mountains which we have yet not done we know the state of the air in all its regions to the top of teneriffe and therefore learn nothing from those who navigate a balloon below the clouds the first experiment however was bold and deserved applause and reward but since it has been performed and its event is known i had rather now find a medicine that can ease an asthma October the 25th you write to me with a zeal that animates and a tenderness that melts me i am not afraid either of a journey to london or a residence in it i came down with little fatigue and am now not weaker in the smoky atmosphere i was delivered from the dropsy which i consider as the original and radical disease The town is my element, there are my friends, there are my books, to which I have not yet bid farewell, and there are my amusements. His love of London continually appears. In a letter from him to Mrs. Smart, wife of his friend the poet, which is published in a well-written life of him, prefixed to an edition of his poems in 1791, there is the following sentence. To one that has passed so many years in the pleasures and opulence of London there are few places that can give much delight. Once upon reading that line in the curious epitaph quoted in the spectator, born in New England, did in London die, he laughed and said, I do not wonder at this. It would have been strange if born in London had died in new england boswell mrs smart was in dublin when johnson wrote to her after the passage quoted by boswell he continued i think madam you may look upon your expedition as a proper preparative to the voyage which we have often talked of dublin though a place much worse than london is not so bad as iceland the epitaph quoted in the spectator begins here thomas sapper lies interred ah why born in new england did in london die End of footnote. sir joshua told me long ago that my vocation was to public life and i hope still to keep my station till god shall bid me go in peace to mr Hull, ashbourne august the seventh since i was here i have two little letters from you and i have not had the gratitude to write but every man is most free with his best friends because he does not suppose that they can suspect him of intentional incivility one reason for my omission is that being in a place to which you are wholly a stranger i have no topics of correspondence If you had any knowledge of Ashbourne, I could tell you of two Ashbourne men who, being last week condemned at Derby to be hanged for a robbery, went and hanged themselves in their cell. Footnote. There is no record of this in the Gentleman's Magazine. Among the 149 persons who that summer had been sentenced to death, who would notice these two? End of footnote. But this however it may supply us with talk is nothing to you your kindness i know would make you glad to hear some good of me but i have not much good to tell if i grow not worse it is all that i can say i hope mrs Hoole receives more help from her migration make her my compliments and write again to dear sir your affectionate servant August thirteenth. I thank you for your affectionate letter. I hope we shall both be the better for each other's friendship, and I hope we shall not very quickly be parted. Tell Mr. Nichols that I shall be glad of his correspondence when his business allows him a little remission, though to wish him less business that I may have more pleasure would be too selfish. To pay for seats at the balloon is not very necessary, because in less than a minute they who gaze at a mile's distance will see all that can be seen. About the wings I am of your mind. They cannot at all assist, nor, I think, regulate its motion. I am now grown somewhat easier in my body, but my mind is sometimes depressed about the club i am in no great pain the forfeitures go on and the house i hear is improved for our future meetings i hope we shall meet often and sit long september the fourth your letter was indeed long in coming but it was very welcome our acquaintance has now subsisted long and our recollection of each other involves a great space and many little occurrences which melt the thoughts to tenderness Write to me, therefore, as frequently as you can. I hear from Doctor Brocklesby and Mister Ryland that the club is not crowded. I hope we shall enliven it when winter brings us together. To Doctor Burney, August the second. The weather, you know, has not been balmy. I am now reduced to think, and at last content to talk of the weather pride must have a fall footnote there was no information for which dr johnson was less grateful than for that which concerned the weather it was in allusion to his impatience with those who were reduced to keep conversation alive by observations on the weather that he applied the old proverb to himself If any one of his intimate acquaintance told him it was hot or cold, wet or dry, windy or calm, he would stop them, by saying, you are telling us that of which none but men in a mine or a dungeon can be ignorant. Let us bear with patience, or enjoy in quiet, elementary changes, whether for the better or the worse, as they are never secrets in the idler johnson shows that an englishman's notice of the weather is the natural consequence of changeable skies and uncertain seasons in our island every man goes to sleep unable to guess whether he shall behold in the morning a bright or cloudy atmosphere whether his rest shall be lulled by a shower or broken by a tempest We therefore rejoice mutually at good weather as at an escape from something that we feared and mutually complain of bad as of the loss of something that we hoped end of footnote i have lost dear mr allen and wherever i turn the dead or the dying meet my notice and force my attention upon misery and mortality Mrs. Burney's escape from so much danger, and her ease after so much pain, throws, however, some radiance of hope upon the gloomy prospect. May her recovery be perfect, and her continuance long. I struggle hard for life. I take physic, and take air. My friend's chariot is always ready. We have run this morning twenty-four miles, and could run forty-eight more. But who can run the race with death september the fourth concerning a private transaction in which his opinion was asked and after giving it he makes the following reflections which are applicable on other occasions nothing deserves more compassion than wrong conduct with good meaning than loss or obloquy suffered by one who as he is conscious only of good intentions wonders why he loses that kindness which he wishes to preserve, and not knowing his own fault, if, as may sometimes happen, nobody will tell him, goes on to offend by his endeavours to please. I am delighted by finding that our opinions are the same. You will do me a real kindness by continuing to write. A post-day has now been long, a day of recreation. November the first our correspondence paused for want of topics I had said what I had to say on the matter proposed to my consideration and nothing remained but to tell you that I waked or slept that I was more or less sick I drew my thoughts in upon myself and supposed yours employed upon your book that your book has been delayed I am glad since you have gained an opportunity of being more exact. Footnote. His account of the musical performances in commemoration of Handel. End of footnote. Of the caution necessary in adjusting narratives, there is no end. Some tell what they do not know, that they may not seem ignorant, and others from mere indifference about truth. All truth is not indeed of equal importance, but if little violations are allowed, every violation will in time be thought little, and a writer should keep himself vigilantly on his guard against the first temptations to negligence or supineness. I had ceased to write, because respecting you I had no more to say, and respecting myself could say little good. I cannot boast of advancement and in cases of convalescence it may be said with few exceptions non progredi est regredi i hope i may be accepted my great difficulty was with my sweet fanny footnote the celebrated miss fanny burney boswell who by her artifice of inserting her letter in yours had given me a precept of frugality which i was not at liberty to neglect footnote. dr burney's letter must have been franked otherwise there would have been no frugality for each enclosure was charged as a separate letter End of footnote. and i know not who were in town under whose cover i could send my letter footnote. he does not know that is to say what people of his acquaintance were in town privilege to receive letters post-free such as members of either House of Parliament. End of I rejoice to hear that you are all so well, and have a delight particularly sympathetic in the recovery of Mrs. Burney. To Mr. Langton, August the 25th. The kindness of your last letter and my omission to answer it begins to give you even in my opinion A right to recriminate, and to charge me with forgetfulness for the absent. I will therefore delay no longer to give an account of myself, and wish I could relate what would please either myself or my friend. On July the 13th I left London, partly in hope of help from new air and change of place, and partly excited by the sick man's impatience of the present. I got to Litchfield in a stage vehicle, with very little fatigue, in two days, and had the consolation to find that since my last visit, my three old acquaintance are all dead. July the 20th I went to Ashbourne, where I have been till now. The house in which we live is repairing. I live in too much solitude, and am often deeply dejected. I wish we were nearer and rejoice in your removal to London. A friend at once cheerful and serious is a great acquisition. Let us not neglect one another for the little time which providence allows us to hope. Of my health, I cannot tell you what my wishes persuaded me to expect, that it is much improved by the season or by remedies. I am sleepless. My legs grow weary with very few steps, and the water breaks its boundaries in some degree. The asthma, however, has remitted. My breath is still much obstructed, but is more free than it was. Nights of watchfulness produce torpid days. I read very little, though I am alone, for I am tempted to supply in the day what I lost in bed. This is my history like all other histories, a narrative of misery. Yet am I so much better than in the beginning of the year that I ought to be ashamed of complaining. I now sit and write with very little sensibility of pain or weakness, but when I rise I shall find my legs betraying me. Of the money which you mentioned I have no immediate need, keep it however for me, unless some exigence requires it. Your papers I will show you certainly when you would see them, but I am a little angry at you for not keeping minutes of your own acceptum et expensum, and think a little time might be spared from Aristophanes for the res familiares. Forgive me, for I mean well. I hope, dear sir, that you and Lady Rothes, and all the young people, too many to enumerate, are well and happy. God bless you all. To Mr. Wyndham, August. The tenderness with which you have been pleased to treat me through my long illness, neither health nor sickness can, I hope, make me forget, and you are not to suppose that after we parted you were no longer in my mind. But what can a sick man say but that he is sick? His thoughts are unnecessarily concentrated in himself. He neither receives nor can give delight. His inquiries are after alleviations of pain, and his efforts are to catch some momentary comfort. Though I am now in the neighbourhood of the peak, you must expect no account of its wonders of its hills, its waters, its caverns, or its mines, but I will tell you, dear sir, what I hope you will not hear with less satisfaction that for about a week past my asthma has been less afflictive. Lichfield, October the second footnote Wyndham visited him at Ashbourne in the end of August after the former of these letters was written. I believe you have been long enough acquainted with the phenomena of sickness not to be surprised that a sick man wishes to be where he is not and where it appears to everybody but himself that he might easily be without having the resolution to remove. I thought Ashbourne a solitary place but did not come hither till last Monday. I have here more company, but my health has for this last week not advanced, and in the languor of disease how little can be done. Whither or when I shall make my next remove I cannot tell, but I entreat you, dear sir, to let me know from time to time where you may be found, for your residence is a very powerful attractive to, sir, your most humble servant. End of section 41.